Hello and welcome, I'm Ian Beaumont with another edition of the program that brings you life, the universe and other strangeness. This is the Viewpoint Podcast and it starts now. Welcome to the program. Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast. I'm going to begin with something called Deflategate. Now, if you're not a follower of American sports, you probably don't know about this. So let me explain. In the NFC Championship game, just under two weeks ago, the referees pulled one of the balls from the game because they felt there was something wrong with it. Upon further examination during halftime, it turned out that 11 of the 12 balls that the New England Patriots were playing with were underinflated. Two facts that are needed to add a little context here. One, the balls used in NFL games are supposed to be inflated to 13 PSI. Now, due to atmospherical changes, a range of 12.5 to 13.5 PSI is considered acceptable. Two, each team is allowed to play with their own balls during the game rather than use balls provided by the league, as happens in most other professional leagues. So, as Tony Reale might say on ESPN's Around the Horn, buy or sell Deflategate. I'm selling it so bad that I'm going to deflate the whole controversy. This is a technicality. A technical rules violation that is punishable by a fine of no more than $25,000. That's all. That's the whole deal. I put this in the same category as helium-filled footballs and court bats. They are violations of the rules of the game, but they offer no actual benefit. For the minor difference in PSI, underinflation doesn't seem to make any difference. Not if the first half performance of that NFC Championship game is anything to go by. In fact, the Patriots did better when the balls were properly inflated after half-time, as that was when they did all the damage. And all those who have shouted, it's cheating and they should be punished for it, Methinks you guys have been protesting a little too vociferously. Monday was Australia Day, a day to celebrate the founding of Australia back in 1788, but the celebrations were marred by a political gaffe of schoolboy proportions. Australia's Prime Minister Tony Abbott announced two new knights that had been approved by the Queen, and one of these new knights is the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip. I mean, seriously, you think making him a Knight of Australia is an honour? What do you expect? Do you expect the Queen to turn down an award of sorts to her husband, her consort? Let me give you a lesson in nobility. You have Knight, pretty near the bottom of the list. And you go up to Hereditary Knight, then to Baronet, then to Baron, then up to Viscount, Marquis, Duke, and then finally to Prince. You have awarded him a rank of nobility seven ranks below his actual noble standing. I rarely agree with Liberal Coalition MPs in Australia, but a lot of them, including ministers in Tony Abbott's government, seem more aware of just how this looks than Tony Abbott himself does. One minister was quoted as saying, There's an old saying that when you are in a hole you should stop digging. Well, we've just punched through the Earth's crust. Another called it a stupid decision that would make the Australian government look like an object of ridicule. A 
coalition MP stated that the move reinforced the left-wing caricature of the Prime Minister. Hey, don't blame the caricature on the left. Tony Abbott's done such a wonderful job of making himself look foolish that he has become a caricature. Even a politically conservative chief minister in the Northern Territory, Adam Giles, said he thought it was April Fool's Day when he heard about the knighthood award to Prince Philip. He also said that the award takes away from the legitimacy of the knighthood role, and it makes us a bit of a joke in a range of areas. Mr. Giles, you have unexpected depth. If Tony Abbott's administration wasn't a very bad joke before this, then it most definitely is now. A travesty of a sham, of a mockery, oh yeah, most definitely. And the worst thing is, he actually believes that through this award, he is making a positive statement about Australian values, or something, I'm not entirely sure what. But one thing I do know, Tony Abbott wins this week's WTF award in the Idiot Brigade Awards. Newsmax this week published a story that caught my attention, but not for the usual reasons. They reported this week that, according to several reputable experts, it is only a matter of time before the stock market plunges by 50% or more. They even had several quotes from fund managers and financial advisors, including a name I know, Mark Faber, who said that we are in a gigantic financial asset bubble, quote. Is a 50% fall credible? Well, more credible than not, but I wouldn't call it likely. But it is possible. However, Newsmax were reporting this as though it were a bad thing, that it was going to bring down the economy to a significant degree. But there is actually no direct correlation between crashes in the financial markets and recessions in the economy. What we saw in 2008 had more to do with excesses in real estate and also excesses in the banking industry across both consumer and financial areas rather than purely Wall Street excesses. Also, Wall Street curbing its excessive exuberance with a downward turn isn't a bad thing in itself, and a lot of traders will still find ways to make money out of it. At this point, I'd be more concerned about growing deflation in the Eurozone, which reached 0.6% this month, and it's actually starting to close in on dangerous territory if it gets to 1% or more. We're running out of time, so a few brief points to finish on. Greek selected anti-austerity party Syriza in a general election this week, the party falling a couple of seats short of an overall majority. They're already taking on the Troika and looking to get a large part of their debt, which amounts to 175% of GDP written off. They know they need to create more jobs to be able to do it, and I wish them luck in that. But I do wonder how they're going to pull it off. A 19-year-old Dutch man who threatened Dutch broadcaster NOS with a fake gun, cyber attacks and bomb threats demanding airtime was arrested on Thursday in the studios of NOS. Nobody knows what the guy's beef is, but he's lucky to be alive. If this had been in the US, the police there would have probably shot him first and asked questions afterwards. Mitt Romney, the Republican beaten by President Obama in the US 2012 election, has decided he will not run for president again, saying he had decided it was best to give other leaders in the party the opportunity to become our next nominee. 
Look, the Republican Party only has one leader, talk radio host Rush Limbaugh, and even he has lost a lot of support in recent months, so I don't see how any other Republican can do any better. Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper announced new anti-terror legislation this week. Every time a country introduces new anti-terror legislation, I'm always reminded of the often paraphrased Benjamin Franklin quote, and I quote it here correctly. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And one more thing. A local newspaper in Plymouth, England put up a story on their website about a wheelie bin which fell over in recent high winds. What is going on at that newsroom? Are they having a competition to create the dullest possible story imaginable? The Plymouth Herald wins the Most Ridiculous Story of the Week Award in the Edit Brigade Awards. That's Viewpoint. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Keep up with my thoughts on various stories throughout the week on the Viewpoint blog, which you can find at citypod.blogspot.com. Please consider supporting my podcast by going to the podcast page, citypod.podbean.com. Make a donation via the donate section on the left-hand column, powered by PayPal, and help support independent, non-corporate media like this podcast and keep it commercial-free. You can also listen to me live and direct every Monday at 4pm UK time on The Source FM, which you can find online via the sourcefm.co.uk, the UK radio player, the iTunes radio directory, the TuneIn radio app, TuneIn.com, and the Wonder radio app from Weather Underground. I hope you'll join me next week for another Viewpoint. Till then, thanks for listening. Stay sharp. Stay tuned.